This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, welcome everyone. Thank you all for joining. Tonight we are learning with Washlema to Tamal Bat Ahuva Ilanit, as well as Le'ilu Nishmat Avraham Ben Chaim Yehuda and Yechazkel Ben Avraham. Um, and then there was, uh, uh, you know, an anonymous, which I want to just say under my breath, the, the you know, sponsored. Uh, this is for us. for and the entire class. Okay, two announcements before we begin. Number one, we spoke about the past two classes on the the new um, the new. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. The new blast of you know Israeli information we were putting out with uh, with Rabbi Wallerstein Shirin that. Um, that Shlomo Liran is going and he's putting these videos, these clips, and he's adding Hebrew subtitles, and that's getting sent out and decimated to the, uh, you know, to the entire, you know, Israeli-speaking uh, world. The, um, the, when we spoke about it last time, I gave you the, the email and I gave you the zel, and that is correct, that stands, but one thing that he asked me to, to, to add is that whenever, whoever, and whenever, you will send a donation, just make sure you put in the notes that this is for Rabbi Wallerstein, because he does a lot of chesed and money goes in different places, and you want to make sure the money that's donated goes to the right, uh, to the right location. So again, whoever doesn't know what I'm talking about, uh, very, very briefly, Rabbi Wallerstein, uh, had, so much, so much content out there that really affected a lot of people, and uh, right now we're trying to make it, uh, you know, tap into the Israeli speaking world, which is tons, huge, major, major stuff. There's so many Israeli speaking people that that are looking for the chizek and they want the chizek, and uh, with this, taking the same video, just adding subtitles and pushing it out there, uh, is is going to do tremendous amount of work. So anybody wants to participate, anybody wants to donate, uh, you could send money or an email if you have any questions, comments, concerns, blah blah blah, anything else. You can send your information to mbloom5 at yahoo.com. That spells mbloom5 at yahoo.com. 5 is the number 5 not spelled out. So again, that's mbloom5 at yahoo.com. The next quick announcement is that, uh, you know, a dear... Friend of mine that I could call him a, a close friend, Rabbi Rahimi. Uh, if you don't know who that is, you got to check him out on Torah anytime. Unbelievable, unbelievable speaker, unbelievable person, uh, and 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 uh, just just in general, he is um, he's partnering up with I don't know how many organizations he's involved in. But one of the things that he uh, recently told me, and I want to spread it out, that if anybody wants to learn with somebody privately, a one on one, so you could go and you email him, and he'll you know work it out and set it up that you could be set up with whoever it is to learn. It can be from across the world. You'll set up with whatever topic that you want, anything that you want to, to set out, learn at your at your own time. We'll send you with a live person. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing program. So reach out to him in his email. His email is yakovrahimi at gmail.com and I'll spell it for you. It's Y-A-A-K-O-V R-A-H-I-M-I at gmail.com. Let me do that one more time so you don't have to rewind the video and listen to it so you'll be able to get it now so you don't, you can, you can really, I'm, I'm telling you it's amazing, you gotta, you gotta tap into this. Y-A-A-K-O-V-R-A-H-I-M-I at gmail.com. So, so please reach out, see, uh, what topic you would love to learn, who, you know, and they'll set you up with amazing, amazing organization. Uh, don't, don't, uh, push off this, this opportunity. Okay, now we get started on our topic at hand. So, the 
topic that we've been dealing on, this is, I believe, the 11th class on this on this topic. And I, and I want to explain why certain, if you look at my older classes that I've given, right when I started uh, recording, I would give maybe two or three series, uh, two or three classes per series. It kept it very minimal. And uh, uh, one of the reasons was it was a different type of uh, topic. It was, it was topics for informational only, not really for so much of, of a changing, uh, you know, of your life. But once you're dealing with things that affect your life and, and they could change your life and you have to practice on it and you have to grow in it, sort of like a, a muscle. If you want to grow, grow big muscles, it's not enough that you work out once. And not only that, let's say you work out day in, day out for 20 years and you get you you get everything that you ever dreamed of that you wanted to grow in in your in your you know physique or whatever it is if you stop working out you will lose all that all that is gone to a certain extent i don't know what percent whatever it is you're going to lose the majority of all that build up that you had so when you want to go and you want to build on something, it's the consistency, it's the repetitiveness, it's that you have to constantly, constantly go to the gym, you have to constantly build on yourself, you have to constantly work on yourself. When you want to go and you want to tap into the knowledge and understanding of the Muna, the topic of the understanding of gratitude, there's a reason why I keep on going on the same topic, and again, this is probably going to be the last class on gratitude, but the the... The reason why there was so many class, so many classes on this series is because, and the truth is, it's not enough. The, really, the truth is, it's not enough. But the reason behind it is because in order to be able to tap into something like this, you have to be able to go and ingrain it inside you. It has to be implanted inside you. You have to go on it from all different angles. When you want to work on yourself, it's not enough to just like listen to idea and be like, okay, fine, I got it. So if let's say somebody's having an anger issue and they want to work on anger, it's not enough for them to listen to one class on anger. It's not enough for them to read one book of anger. If they want to grow on their anger... They have to go and they have to tap into everything on that, on that, on that topic and not take one class, not take, you know, listen to read one book, but actually go from all different angles from read all the books that you have on it. And with that, the more knowledge that you have, the more that you will be able to go and you'll be able to tap into it. So really that's the idea behind, you know, what we are trying to do over here. And, you know, if you think about it, the same thing when you go to, let's say, uh, you know, someone's going to medical school. They don't just learn about the topic. They don't just learn about a disease. They learn the, you know, the, the background to the disease. They learn how the anatomy of the disease. They, they, they learn from all different angles so that you really know the material and it becomes ingrained inside of you. It becomes part of you. If you want to excel in this type, in this topic, if you want to go and grow in Amuna, if you want to grow in, in gratitude, the, the, if you think that you could say, oh, I listened to two, three, four, five classes, I read a book on Amuna and I'm good, you are dreaming. And this is something that is consistently you need to work on yourself. This is something that you have to work in day in and day out. So that is one of the reasons that we, we took these topics and if you, if you look at it from the, from the bird's eye view, what we have tried to do is to go from it from a bunch of, to tap on, to, to, to sort of tackle this topic from a bunch of different angles. Sort of in a sense that it's so ingrained in you that you're able to go and, you know, continue life and it becomes part of you because you get it from, and I'll get, let me, let me explain it a little bit clearer. When you learn a certain topic, and you understand that topic, generally, when you can apply that topic, so let's say, for example, it's gratitude. When can you apply that gratitude? If what you've learned 
formulates equally into what you are dealing with right now, then it's easy. I'll be like, okay, this rabbi gave this example. I'm literally going through that right now. So then I could understand and I could, you know, connect it to it and then I could deal with my situation with gratitude. But that's not really the perfect aspect of it. The perfect aspect is that you have so much gratitude that no matter what position you're put in, you have the tools necessary to be able to say, you know what, I got this. I know that I have to be grateful in this position that I am in my life. So that is one of the reasons that that we've we've taken this route. But furthermore, is that it's not enough just to learn the information. It's so important to repeat it, to review it. And I'm not saying that you have to listen to these classes again. Not at all. Listen to other classes, read other books. It doesn't matter, but you have to ingrain it. And I can tell you for myself, I spent a lot of time, and I've mentioned this before, I spent a lot of time preparing for these classes. And not only that, sometimes I go and I listen to my classes to sort of figure out where I, where I left off in the previous class to be able to go and continue sort of in the same topic. And when I listen to it, I myself get inspired and I myself feel the gratitude that I have. Meaning that even though I know the information, even though that I have the information, I wrote the, I, the, the, the knowledge is there, but the reviewing, the repetition changes it and implants it inside of you. And the more that you do it, the more that you're going to be grain. So that's intro number one. Intro number two, which is equally important, is that when you have the ability, the opportunity to grow on yourself, you have to realize that this is a merit. This is something that it's 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 a schos. The, the Mishnah and Perikei Avos goes and says that the schar mitzvah is a mitzvah. The reward of a mitzvah is that you get to do another mitzvah. Now, just to get to understand this, there was a dedica- dedication ceremony at the yeshiva of Chachmei Lublin. This is in the 1930s. So the Tretkover Rebbe went and met one of the people that donated the track of land of where the yeshiva is going to be built, Rabbi Shmuel Eichenbaum. And he goes over to him and he says, you should know that I'm not jealous of this mitzvah that you did by donating this parcel of land because this mitzvah you're going to receive a tremendous amount of honor. And you know, like, you know, like, it's gonna be known to everyone. But you know what I'm jealous of? I'm jealous of the mitzvah that you did before this that gave you the opportunity, the schus, the merit, to be able to do this mitzvah. Meaning that in order for you to get to this position, you had to do something else good that gave you the opportunity to do another thing good. Meaning that many times we do a good deed, and that itself is the catalyst, or better yet, it gives us, it opens up the door for us to do another good deed. And we have to realize that, that we come to a certain place, we have to realize that we were granted an opportunity, a merit. Thursday night, you know, on December 8th, 2022, not everybody's able to sit and learn Torah. The fact that you're sitting here learning is a merit that you have. You have a class, you have the ability. For me, okay, what's the merit? You know, like, okay, so I'm giving a class. I have more honor. It's more like, for you, you're sitting and you're learning. And there's so much more merit that, that you know, that, that comes out from that. You're sitting there on your own time that you're able to do other things over here. You're not gaining anything in the respect of honor or what giving a class or anything like that. You're doing it just to learn, just to get close to this struggle. Do you understand how much merit that you have to have? We have to realize that we have, we, we're put in a position where we have the schus, the merit that we're able to even work on ourselves. How many people we know and we deal with that they don't even realize that they have to fix themselves? Maybe I see this a lot more because I, I, I deal with a lot of people. Sometimes I tell them, but not always. But when we think about it, be like, you know, there are people that 
have to work on themselves so much and they just, they, they don't. And the, the, the more difficult thing is when you see somebody or when you speak to somebody and you know they have to work on something and like they're, they're in a situation and the solution is a very simple solution. You just got to do like A, B, and C and you're good, you're golden. And you even tell them, do A, B, and C and I guarantee you, this is a guarantee to whatever extent that you're going to be okay, just do it. This is what you need to do. And they can't do it. They just don't do what they need to do. They just don't follow through with it. You have to realize you have to have a merit to be able to change yourself. If you're sitting in a class that's learned, that's, that's talking about changing yourself, that's a merit in itself. There's a second merit, a higher level merit that you're able to internalize that and actually take that and change yourself. Yes, we have free will. Yes, we have the ability to do it. But you always realize you have this inkling, this desire, this push to do something. That desire, that push is not always free will. That desire, that push sometimes is a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu put you in a situation that says, Hey, by the way, I'm giving you a little push, a little gift. Here, go and work on your gratitude. And we can either take that gift, chuck it to the side and say, Maybe tomorrow. Or we take that gift and be like, Wait a minute, I have a desire. Let me ta- ca- let me capitalize on this. Let me try to do something. I'm going to listen to another class, but now I don't listen to the class. Let me go and internalize it and bring it inside. You know, if you have, if you're, let's say, praying and you realize, you know what, I need to be able to pray better, that thought in itself is such a merit because how many people go through life not realizing what they have to tap into? You want to grow more in your moon, you want to be less angry. How many people destroy relationships because of that and they don't even realize? I could tell you numerous people that they don't even realize that they're the problem in the relationship. They don't realize it. And it's a merit that you have to wake up and really have this introspection. How many people have the just the thought that, you know what, let me try to be happier in a day-to-day life. Not like, you know, let me be, let me just try to work on it. Let me just, like, I know I want to get there. Like, we have to realize on how much merit that we have going on in our lives and we don't capitalize it, we don't, we don't tap into it. When you're growing your amuna, when you're growing your gratitude, this is a schus that you have the ability to do that. It's a schus that you have the ability to listen to that. And we have to realize when we are listening to these types of classes, and the truth is not even this type, any, any Torah class, that's a merit that you have. Some people, you know, they can't. They're driving so many hours a day, but they can't listen to the class. They just can't. They need music. They need something else. Whatever it is to, you know, distract them. And they can't. And if you're able to go and you're able to listen to Torah, do we stop for a second and say, you know what? Thank you, Hashem. That we want to do this, that we have a desire to do this, that we're enjoying doing this, that we're listening and we're loving it, we're growing. It's so unbelievable that we don't even realize. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, especially now, is that there are so many things that happen in our life that we don't even realize the blessing in it. We don't even stop. And, and sometimes we attribute that power to ourselves. We're like, I worked so hard on myself. I grew so much and I've become such a better person. You know how lucky you are that you became a better person? Yes, I'm sure you put a tremendous amount of effort. But who gave you that kaychas? Who gave you the power to go and push forward and do that? That's only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So even if you've grown and even if you've reached a level that you've never thought you've reached, you have to say, thank you HaKadosh Baruch Hu for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for giving me this chasad. Rabbi Elimelech Bluf. He visited Lakewood. He was trying to get a, a boy into a shiva in uh, base Medrash Gavaya, otherwise known by its acronym BMG. And uh, he met with Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Shneir Cutler. 
And after the meeting, Baruch Hashem was successful. After the meeting, uh, Rav Cutler asked, he says, you know, I, I know you came from Brooklyn. I need to go, you know, I need to drive into Brooklyn. Do you mind if I get a ride? And he's like, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Rabbi Booth says, of course, I'm driving there and you're not a problem. And they started driving and Rav Schneer Cutler, the Rashiva of VMG, goes and he says you to, to, to Rav Booth, he says, you have no idea what kind of chesed this is. What are you doing to me? And Rav Booth was like, he was like, he didn't understand. He's like, what do you mean chesed? He's like, I'm driving back to Brooklyn anyway. You know, like, what's the great chesed over here? And Rav Schneer responded, and he says, you think it's coincidence that you're giving me a ride? If God gave you this opportunity to help another Jew, that means that you had a merit that you earned this. That you, you earned this. And, and, and you know, Rav Rav Schneer Cutler is, is, is trying to put in, you know, this message that if we do something good for somebody else, don't take that for granted. Like, you have to re- you have to thank God that you were able to do a chesed. You know, usually, how do we think? We think the other way around. God has to thank me that I helped his child. But you have to switch your mindset. You have to switch your mindset. Say, no, 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 no. You just gave someone charity. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for giving me the opportunity to give charity. How many people have the ability to give charity, but they just can't give? They just can't take it out. And how many people want to give, but there's no one to give? No one's coming to the door, they don't know anywhere else to give. Like, you have to have somebody that wants to give, and somebody that comes to you. This is things that Akadosh Baruch was putting into your plate. We have to stop for a second and realize the merit that we, that we're, that we've given, the gift that we have given. In order to be able to take this merit and bring it up to the next level and really going and, and really tapping into specifically right now. I mean, this could be attributed to, to any subject, but really specifically attributing it to, to gratitude. You have to change your mindset. In or, not only in order to be able to see the gratefulness. This is something that we spoke about already. But, uh, but in order to change your mindset that you need to be grateful. Many times in our life, when we're grateful is because we kind of have this feeling that we should be grateful. And then, you know, if we're good people, we express our gratitude to the, you know, you know, the recipient or whatever else, to whoever, whoever provided us with whatever help, which is great. I'm not saying that's, that it's great, but there's a different level. And that's really the focus of today with Hashem's help. And that is to take that you know, gratitude and change it for something doing that. It's like, oh, he did a nice thing for me. She did not let me be grateful, but rather changing that into the need for gratitude. And let me explain. Rav Shlomo Eisen was a, a, a Rav in Yerushalayim. And uh, he was, uh, you know, during his final years, he was sick. And the doctors told him he has to, you should go to America to get treatment over there. He came to America. Unfortunately, the treatment was not successful. So he returned to Yerushalayim in, you know, dire, grave conditions. Titus Esther, that Titus Esther arrived, and there was a tragic news that year that the leader of the generation, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, passed away on Titus Esther. And his funeral was held in New York in uh, on Titus Esther. And then he was taken to uh, Yerushalayim on Shushan Purim. And that's, you know, uh, you know when the, the funeral took place in, in Yerushalayim. 
uh, and it was a huge funeral. You're talking about more than a quarter of a million of Jews, 250,000 Jews, you know, came. They, they stopped their Purim celebrations and came to, to, you know, give the final respects to the Gadol Dar of Moshe Feinstein. And Rav Shlomo, Rav Shalom, he wanted to go and he wanted to participate in the funeral. But his family told him, he says, listen, you're not up for it. You're sick. You're, you know, you're not well. And he accepted. He said, you know what? You're right. And he remained home. Later, he called his, his, one of his children to his bedside and he says, I would like you to gather a minion and I want to go to the grave of Rav Moshe Feinstein and I want to beg him forgiveness that I have not been able to participate in his funeral. So the child, the son, goes over to his father and says, Tati, why? He says, you, you are exempt. You are a patur. You, you didn't need to go. You are weak. You aren't able to go. And Rav Shalom replied, he says, you're right. As far as the obligation to attend the funeral of the Gadol Adar, I was exempt. I was sick. But I was hospitalized in New York right before I came over here. And Rav Moshe Feinstein, he visited me. Out of Hakaris Atov, out of the gratitude, I should have, to, I, I should have attended his funeral. My illness may have exempted me from be going to the to the funeral of a Gadoldar, but it did not exempt me from the obligation of gratitude that I have to have to Rav Moshe. And only after his son carried out his wishes, gathered a minyan, gathered ten people, and they went to Rav Moshe's grave, and, Rav, and only after that, Rav Shalom Eisen was at peace. Now, when you think about it, this wasn't like, oh, a nice thing that Rav Eisen wanted to do. Like it wasn't like something like, oh, let me let me do something nice. Like, you know, like he did something good to me, let me reciprocate do something nice. It wasn't just like, you know, like, oh, he wanted to do something, he wanted to show gratitude. The, the, the key word here, it was want. He didn't want. Rav Shlomo Eisen, he needed it. He, need, he was not at peace until he, gave, until he went over to the grave and he asked for forgiveness for not coming in. He says, I needed it. The meaning, the difference is over here. It's not about the wanting to give gratitude. It's about the need to give, to give gratitude. This is something that we spoke about. When you, have to, when you want to change something in your life, you have to take it from a want and you have to change it to a need. Rav Shach, it was a Panovich Rosh Hashiva. Rav Lezer Menachem Man Shach. And during World War One, he was in yeshiva, and uh, for a year and a half, he uh, you know was on his own. He didn't have uh, didn't even have a home. He he lived in shul. He lived in the synagogue. Um, his his, uh, his his friends' family that there were those were the sfarim, and you know because of the situation that he was in, he had one set of clothing. He lived on managed like scraps bread. You know, iced tea, like, not iced tea, tea, maybe iced tea because of the cold winter, but I'm saying bread, tea, like, like, nothing. Shoes were torn, the pants were torn. One night, there was a Jew in the area that saw this young boy shivering on a cold bench in the shul. So the man went home, and he brought, you know, this young boy, which was Rav Shach, an old winter coat to wear by day, and a blanket that he's able to sleep at night, meaning that he didn't even have a blanket. All he had, didn't even have a coat. He had the clothing on his back, and he was in shul. And then he was freezing over there. There was no you know, central air. There was no heating over there. He was sitting over there, and he was freezing, and that's how he was learning. And uh, this, this, uh, this man, this local Jew, gave him an old coat and a blanket that he has something to wear at night. Many years passed by, and uh, they, you know, he went to Eretz Yisrael, and this man also eventually went to Eretz Yisrael, and he passed away. This this man, this local man, that gave him the coat and the and the blanket, 
And his funeral took place, you know, on a very hot summer day. And Rav Shach was already a very, you know, an elderly man. And he exerted himself to go and travel to the funeral. Now, let's just like pause for a second. If you think you're busy in your day-to-day and it's very hard for you to, let's say, stop your day-to-day work and whatever it is and go to a funeral or go visit somebody or just like stop and pause. If you can imagine what a Gadol Hadar, the leader of the generation, how busy his days are. He stopped what he was doing and he went and he was old and it was difficult for him and he traveled to this funeral. Someone asked him, he says, you know, Rabbi, he says, what are you, why are you traveling? Like, who is this person to you? Like, why are you traveling for the funeral? And Rav Shach related, he says, he told him what the man did. He says, he gave me a coat and he gave me a blanket. And he, and then he goes and he says, is there a limit to the gratitude that I should feel towards this man? You're talking about, I don't know how many years afterwards. I would say minimum 50 years after, after the fact. And he still not only remembered what happened, during World War One, but he felt grat- he felt so grateful that he went and he exerted himself to go to the funeral. And it was when 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 he was asked, "What are you doing?" He was like, "It wasn't what, what type of question is that?" He says, "There's no limit to what gratefulness I have to have when you give." This is the difference between a gadol, a big person, a leader of generation, and a simple person. When you do a favor for a a, a righteous person, a a gadol, a leader of generation, there's no end to the gratitude that they want to bestow upon you. There's like no end. There's no end when you do a when you do something good for a simple person. They're trying to forget it so that they don't feel in debt to you. Like, look at the difference of what where where we are and where we should be. There's another story from Rab Shach that he once contacted a Mashkiach Ruchni in the Bnei Brak Yeshiva, and he says, you know, there's a there's a bacher in your yeshiva by the name of Aaron Taplin, and I would like you know to, for you. He was speaking to the Mashkiach, uh, to the dean. And he says, I would like for you to go and arrange that, uh, you know, this boy would learn with somebody, you know, to enhance his studies. And I'm going to pay for this, like, tutor, uh, you know, work. And the Mashkiach goes over to Rav Shach and he says, why are you singling out this boy out of all the, you know, like, what's so special about this boy? So Rav Shach responds that when he was a bachar, when he was a, a, a young man in the First World War, he learned in a base medrash in, in, in a place called Slutsk. And there is where, you know, he lived on bread and water, slept on a bench on the base medrash, and he had one shirt. And he washed it once a week in honor of Shabbos. Again, just a pause. If you think you don't have enough clothes, you know, just realize he had one shirt that he wore every day, and he washed it for Shabbos. And I can guarantee you, he didn't have a spin cycle in his, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, in his in-house, you know, laundry that goes and cleans it and sanitizes it. You know, I'm sure that that washing wasn't so simple. And there was this uh, woman who, you know, approached him and said, you know, your shirt is ripped and dirty. He says, why don't you change your shirt? So Rav Shach responded, he says, you know, this is the only shirt that I have. So this woman went home and uh, returned with two shirts for Rav Shach. And Rav Shach continued and he said, after the Second World War, I tried to out to find out what happened to this woman. This is someone who went through, like, what he's, after the war, you know what he was trying to figure out? Someone benefited from me. Let me see what happened to them. And he tried to search and he, and he searched and he realized that she passed away. 
And now he didn't stop over there. He started searching the entire family. And he found out the entire family was killed out except for one grandson by the name of Aaron Taplin. And he says, I want to help him to advance his learning because this is my way of expressing the gratitude for what his grandmother did to me. Meaning that if, let's say, we would put ourselves in that position. Chas Shalmu should never be in that position. But if somebody did something good to us, and then that person passed away, what would we say? Okay, well, you know, like, you know, I, I thank that person, I'm extremely grateful. We would kind of stop it right there. That's not what a gadol does. A gadol goes, the leader of the generation, a righteous person goes, and he says, okay, so this person passed away, but now let me benefit their child. There's no child, let me go to the next generation, their grandson. Let me, pres- let me, I, I, I need to give gratitude. This doesn't come because I want to do something nice because they did something nice to me. Because that would have stopped right when they found out that the person passed away. When it changes to a need, it doesn't stop, that means that I have to bestow my gratitude upon someone. Someone has bestowed gratefulness upon me, so I have to return it, I have to reciprocate in some way. And he would search and search until he found somewhere that he could place it into. This is the difference. When we take something from a want to a need, we all know the importance of being grateful. And we're all very grateful, I'm sure we're amazing, we're very grateful. But if we stop for a second, and we pause, and we look at our life, and we see where we can tap into and change that gratitude from a want to a need, all of a sudden there are going to be so many doors that are going to be opened up that we feel that we have to be grateful for. All of a sudden we'll realize how much we have to be grateful for our parents, for our spouses, for our rebellion, for our friends, for our family, for the pe- places that we sit and learn Torah, for Torah any time. How many things do we have to be grateful? How many times? How many do you go... Even, even A simple email to info at Torah anytime whatever it is you know like and just say like thank you for what you're doing there are people there and I know them personally I love them they're close friends of mine they work non-stop to be able to provide you this service how many of us went and said thank you how many of us stopped for a second and be like you know what I know this is a lot of work and I appreciate it there was a Hasidic Rebbe that one time was, was giving a class and the, the Hasid goes over to him and he says, you know, Rebbe, you know, Rabbi, that was an amazing class. That was, un- it gave him like a compliment in the class. And another Hasid was like, no, you know, like, like, he's like, he's like, like, so disrespectful. You go to the Rebbe, you're giving a, you know, like, oh, you say, this one was a good class. What about the other ones? And the Rebbe looks over to the other Hasid and he says, what's wrong? He says, a Rebbe can't get a compliment also? He says, you can't go and give gratitude, you know, to, of course you should give. You know, he says, we don't realize how many people in our life we could be grateful for. Why don't we realize it? It's because we're in a level under of where we need to be. We have to take it to the next level. We're in a level that when we feel gratitude, then we express our gratitude. We have to take it to the level where we need to give gratitude. And when we need to give gratitude... All of a sudden, we're going to see all the places that we actually have to give gratitude towards. There was a famous picture of Rav Elia Lepian. Lepian. I, I believe I mentioned this already before, but maybe if I didn't, you know, it's worth it to repeat it. That that you see that he's he's giving a, a bowl of milk to a cat. So his grandson explained 
that when Rav Elia Lepanen, when he was the Mashkiach Ruchni in Yeshiva in, in Kfar Hasidim, there, there was a cat that sort of arrived on premise. And ever since the arrival of the cat, the infestation of mice had, that, that has been a problem in the Yeshiva has ceased. Meaning the, te- the cat took care of the problem. And Rav Elia said, so he says, you know, who's taking care of the cat now? He says, the cat has done something for us. Like, let us reciprocate and let us be appreciative of what, what that has done for us. During, uh, during one of, uh, Rav Pam's last hospital stays before he passed away, the doctor became a little bit frustrated, uh, by, you know, the, the rabbi's, you know, reluctancy to make his pain known. The rabbi was going through pain, but he would never complain. He was like, he, he wouldn't play it. And the doctor goes over to him and says, Rabbi, you don't have to be in pain. He says, just tell us when you're in pain, and we'll give you like some Tylenol. We'll give you some pain medication. That night, uh, his grandson goes over to, to Rafam and he says, Zaidi, he says, Grandpa. He says, you know, some things we can't help with. You know, but there's no reason why we can't try to ease your pain. All you have to do is complain a little bit, and we know that you're in pain, and we're going to go and give you medication. Just at least tell us, complain a little bit. Rafam became very serious, and he responded, and he, and he says, do you know how old I am? He says, I'm 88 years old. Do you know how old that is? He says, not everyone merits to live to 88. He says, look at what Rabbeinu Shalom, look at what God has given me, 88 years. He says, I am so mockered, I'm so grateful for this, that if it comes along with some pain? You think I'm going to complain about it? God, that's going to be 88 years. How am I going to go and complain about it? Like we think about that mindset. That's a mindset of not somebody who is looking to, he's looking for reasons not to complain. Rabbi Yudha Zeb Segal was, you know, you know, told his grandson once that every morning he learns Mishnayas and memories of those luminaries, those rabbis that may have been, you know, not alive for who knows how long, but that he used, he learned their teachings and they shaped his, you know, way of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They shaped who he was. He says, those were my rabbin. And he goes and he learns Torah le'ilu nishmasam. How many times do we go and we learn something from a certain rabbi? And maybe we're not great, we don't say anything for that, but do you pray for that rabbi? Do you go and do you say, let that, that be, you know, the, the rabbi should be healthy, the rabbi should be successful, the rabbi, you know, like, we don't even begin to realize there is so much in our life that is untapped potential of gratitude. So much. And the way that we tap into it is we have to change our gratitude mindset from a want to be grateful to a need to be grateful. When the sun, when, when the shifteh when the shvatim, when the twelve tribes, well, not all of them, but the, the tribes and the ten tribes of of, uh, of you know the children of Yaakov, they wanted to kill their brother Yosef. It was Reuven who spoke up, and Reuven told them to go instead of killing him, throw that throw him into a pit. And the Medrash says that Reuven was motivated by Hakaras Atov. He was motivated by gratitude. Why? What was, the, what was the gratefulness that he needed? Reuven said, he says, Yosef counted me along with my brothers. Yosef had a dream. And in the dream, he says, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Reuven said, Yosef counted me, not singled me out, he counted me as 11 brothers, he counted me as part of the brothers. What was the reason that he shouldn't have counted him? You know, Reuven, you know, unfortunately, what he did was that he took his father's bed and he moved it to his mother's tent without permission. So, Reuven would have thought, you know, like I, he was expelled from the family. 
But now that Yosef counted him in his dream, all of a sudden he feels gratitude to Yosef for being including him in the family. Explains Rabbi Aaron Cutler. The brother's view of Yosef was as a, of a rebel. But Ruvain thought of it differently. Even though, if anybody should have hated Ruvain, should have hated Yosef, it was Ruvain. Because Ruvain was a firstborn. And that was transferred to Yosef. So Ruvain lost the most out of this. But instead of feeling hate, of feeling hatred towards Yosef, he felt in debt to Yosef. He felt a sense of gratitude to Yosef. Because Yosef counted him in the dream. Let's take this a step further for something the Rab Nasantzi think of the Rosh Hashiva of Mir, Yeshiva and Yerushalayim said. That when Yosef mentioned Reuven in his dream, did he have any intent of benefiting Reuven? No, he was mentioning his dream. Meaning that Reuven was unintentionally benefited from something that Yosef said. And even an unintentional benefit, Reuven fell in debt to Yosef. That's something that is mind-blowing, meaning that even if someone benefits you, and it was unintentional on their behalf, you still should be grateful for them to the extent that Ruvain went and he, he risked everything to be able to go and save Yosef, he was able to go and, 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 and put him in a pit instead of getting killed. He put, you know, like, this is someone that should have had the biggest reason to go and deny Yosef, but he went against that. Why? Because Yosef benefited him in an indirect manner. We find this also, the Gemara brings down a story with Rabkhia. Rabkhia's wife caused him a lot of distress. But whenever Rabkhia would find an item his, that his wife would appreciate, he would present it for her. He would take it and give her to her as a present. And his students asked him, he says, you know, like they, they knew she, she was a very difficult person. And, you know, they go over to the rabbi and says, you know, Rabbi Chia says, says, why are you so nice to your wife? Your wife is so mean to you. She's, she's so difficult to you. And his response was that it's sufficient that my wife, you know, raises my children and they, they saves me from sin. These are two things that, you know, that they save me, so I have to be grateful for it. Takes, goes with Fessin Sweetwinkle and says, takes a, a step further. The fact that she is raising the children, that's not for her husband's sake only. It's her children also. She's doing it for herself as well. But nonetheless, you know, Rebchia felt gratitude for something that she did that was not intentionally for him. It was for, you know, herself, for her children. It's something that, but, but he benefited from that. And it says, if I benefit from that, whether intentional, whether unintentional, I'm going to show my gratitude. I'm going to show my, my, my cars at all. Meaning that even though we have difficulties in our relationships, but if we're able to pinpoint one or two things that our spouse, our friend, our parents, our children, something that they do that, that, that benefits us, we should tap into and focus that. Rabbi wasn't focusing on the negative things that his spouse did. He focused on the positive, and he was able to bring two things. One of those things wasn't even for his benefit only. It was also a benefit for his wife, also a benefit for the children. But nevertheless, he focused on that. He said, this is what I'm going to focus on, and this is what I'm going to be grateful for. And we could say, you know what, it's very difficult. It is very difficult. You're right, it is very difficult, but the reward is so great. And let me share with you a short story. There was a young man in Bnei Brak that, uh, you know, he had his wife and, and five children that were going out to eat the first night of Rosh Hashanah. 
and they were going to eat by his in-laws, who also lived in Bnei Brak, but they lived on the other side of, of town. So the plan was that they would get ready early, and then they would walk, they would take, I'm sorry, they would take a cab to the in-laws, and then that would give enough time for the husband to be able to go to shul, uh, you know, and be there, and be there on time. And that was the plan, the husband was ready, the children were ready. Unfortunately, the wife was running a little bit behind as scheduled, and she was, you know, running from this, running from that, and she wasn't ready on time. And now it was ready too close, you know, to Shkia, and, you know, the, the, it was too late to, to get a cab, and they would have to walk to the in-laws. The problem was is that if they walk to the in-laws, this he, he's going to end up coming really late to the shul. And the husband is sitting over there, he's like, Rosh Hashanah? Like the high holidays, I'm going to come late to the synagogue. Like if it's a, one day, you know, during a year, when you make sure you're on time is the day that you're getting judged, right? That's when you're going to make sure that you're on time. And he says, on this day, I'm going to be late. And he, he got so upset. He got, he kept it inside. He's, but, he, but he says over there, he says, well, you know, when we left, you know, and we couldn't take a cab, it was like like the, the atmosphere, the, the, the air was so tense. You were able to cut it with a knife. He says, inside I was so upset. I was burning up. He says, this is how I'm going to begin the new, the new year, Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to begin my judgment walking in late to it. Why couldn't my wife, you know, just prepare herself a little early? And, and you know, th- then we would have been ready. But he goes and he says a story. He says, Baruch Hashem, you know, as I was walking, I thought about it. And he says, you realize if I would have said something to my wife, it would have, it, you know, it would have destroyed her. And as he was walking in silence, he calmed himself down. And he decided that he's going to focus on all the good that his wife does. Not on all the negative, you know, the, the lateness and everything like that. And, you know, he realized that this is where Hashem put me and this is where Hashem wants me to be. And they arrived at their, you know, at the father-in-law's shul. And the, the, the minion, you know, started and he was late. And, you know, he said, I, I felt really bad. You know, I felt, on, on Rosh Hashanah, the high holidays, like, I'm coming in late. But, you know, like, you know, I, I believe that, you know, I fulfilled my obligation. This is what, you know, I made sure not to say anything negative to my wife. And I made sure, and you know, I came late. And this is the situation. When he repeated the story, he says that the following year, he said he saw so much siyata deshmaya. He saw so much divine help that everything that he touched turned to gold. He had an amazing year. And he was, and he, when he said the story, he says, I am certain that the reason why I had this amazing year was because of that test that I had with my wife on Rosh Hashanah. I realized that I should have not have said anything, and I didn't say anything, and I passed the test, and because of that, everything that I touched turned to gold. It's difficult. Especially if your spouse is doing something wrong. But if we realize the power, the benefit that we will gain by just keeping quiet or focusing on a positive, we would ne- if we would be able to see the benefit and the power of that, we would never even dream of saying anything. It, would, it wouldn't even, it would, there would be no free will. Really, there would literally be no free will because it'd be like, of course I wouldn't say anything. I'm going to get a billion dollars from keeping my mouth closed. Like, why, why would I say something? The, and, and the stipler guy says that if you want to have a successful marriage, the primary component to a successful marriage is hakaras hatov. It's gratitude. That's the primary component. You want to be successful in your relationship, focus on gratitude.
And really, the the antithesis, the, the the worst aspect, the thing that destroys gratitude, is entitlement. When you think that you deserve it or it's coming to you anyways, there is no gratitude from that. We have to take that entitlement away from our mindset. And this is something, again, that we, we did speak about before. But it is something very important to note because we won't see the gratitude until we take that entitlement and put it in the back pocket or throw it away and never look at it again. When Yosef Atzadik, he, he earned his name Tzadik, Yosef Atzadik. What where did he get that? Because he resisted the temptation of his master's wife's you know, temptations, <laughs> you know, to, to him, to, to cause him to sin. And, uh, you know, this, Aishas Patifar really tried to get him every single day. It was a daily test for him. Not only once, but multiple times a day, she tried to go and get him to sin with her. And Yosef's argument was very simple. He said, there's no, there's no one greater in the house other than I. He says, you know, Patifar, your husband denied me nothing except for you. So how can I, you know, perpetrate this great evil upon my master that, you know, like, how can I do it? How, how can I do such a thing? And the Sephora explains that Yosef's, his argument was that your husband, you know, he's been a good, a good boss to me. And you expect me to respond to that by doing something bad? By, by, by damaging his relationship with his wife. Like, that's what you want to do? And, and, and if we stop for a second, and we say, wait a minute, like, his master was good to him, his boss was good to him, Potiphar was good to Yosef? The Gemara tells us the reason, his intention, Potiphar's intention for purchasing Yosef was for immoral purposes. Uh, let's just say that, you know, Potiphar played for the same team. And he purchased Yosef for different reasons. And then when he put Yosef to work, he put him on hard labor. He only appointed him to, at the head of the household when he recognized that he had exceptional you know, capabilities. And that capabilities, that blessing that Yosef had, that brought blessing to his home. But Yosef didn't look at his, at his motives, at Potiphar's motives, as, as you know, selfish and saying, oh, it's only for his benefit. He looked and he focused on the good that his master has done for him. He didn't focus on all the negative. Meaning there was tons of negative that was going on over there. Yosef did not focus on that. He focused only on the positive. This is such a difficult thing in our day-to-day lives, but it's something that we should strive to do and strive to work on. Our day-to-day lives has, has difficulties. But they have so many amazing things. And what do we focus? Do we focus on the difficulty or do we focus on the amazing things? And it's so much easier to focus on the difficulties because that's what pops out. That's what really sticks out and that's what affects us. But if we stop and we focus on the amazing things that we have in our life, it will change our life. And it's all about shifting the mindset. Easy? Definitely not. Doable? 100%. But it's work. And it's something that if you want to get there, then it's not enough to want it. You need to need it. You need to be that person of gratitude that you need it and you need to see all the good in everything. In Ari Nikla, the, the city of, of uh, refuge, when, when somebody, in, in the times of the base of Migdash, if somebody accidentally, unintentionally murdered somebody, they have to run and they have to live in this city, uh, the city, this Ari Nikla, until the Kohen Gadol dies. That's where they're, they're safe. 
And um, <clears throat> one of the reasons behind it is, is that the Kohen Gadol may have been indirectly responsible because had they would have prayed, you know, you know, sufficiently, maybe this wouldn't have occurred, this unintentional death. So the Torah says you have to go and you have to uh, stay in this um, in this city until the Kohen Gadol, uh, you know, passes away and then you can go move to wherever it is that you want to. The Mishnah goes and tells us in the Gemara that the mother of the Kohen Gadol would provide these people who are in exile food and drink. Why? So that they shouldn't pray that their son, her son, meaning the Kohen Gadol, you know, die so that they could, you know, go free. And when you think about it, be like, what, you know, some cookies and milk? Are gonna someone's locked in a city? Not locked. I mean, they're able to work around freely, but but they they can't leave the city. Someone's stuck in a city, and the mother's gonna give them some cookies and milk and be like, "Okay, now you're not gonna pray for my son to die." Like, how does that change the mindset of these people? These people, this is their life, and their life is stuck in one area. Maybe they don't want to be over here, so they can't do anything because they're stuck over here. And then the mother gives them some food and drink, and they're going to be like, okay, well, now I can't, I can't go and pray for the demise of the Kohen Gadol because, you know, after all, I, you know, you know, I got a meal. To understand this, the, the, the Gemara recounts, uh, you know, a different Gemara that, that uh, the Shmuel, Shmuel once was crossing a bridge, and he was going to, um, to judge a case. And there was a man, he was crossing the bridge, and the man literally stuck out his hand to offer Shmuel, you know, just to, to help him, you know, cross. And, um, when, when, you know, he took his hand and he helped him across. And when he came to the judgment, he saw that this man who helped him literally just took out a hand, grabbed him and helped him across. This man was the one that he has to judge. Shmuel says, you know what, I can't, I can't judge this case. I, you know, I have to recuse myself. I can't judge this case. Why? I, you know, I'm impartial over here. Like, you know, he, he, he benefited me. What was the benefit? The, literally, he took his head and he helped him guide. Like, imagine you take an old man and you help him walk down the stairs. And now the old man says, well, now I can't judge this case anymore, this judge, because you helped me down the stairs. That's the small, tiny, little thing. The amount of benefit that we would have, it would, the, the amount of benefit that a guttle it's because he needs to have this benefit. And then he's going to have so much benefit, says, I'm going to be impartial. I can't judge this case honestly. When there's an unintentional murderer that desperately wants to gain their freedom, and they will be willing to pay and pray for the coin God to pass away, they will be willing to do that, but the Torah says, but up to a certain point. They won't be ungrateful. A Jew is not ungrateful. And if the mother gives them just simple little thing, food and drink, that's going to change your mindset. Why? Because a Jew, it's not about the want. They need to be grateful. How could I go and pray for her son to go and die now that I could be free? She just gave me food. Oh, but it's a tiny thing. It doesn't matter. It's not about that I want to be grateful. I need to be grateful. I can't do it anymore. I can't. Like, literally, that's what's ingrained in me. I'm a Jew. I'm a Yehudi. Yehuda comes from being grateful. That's what Leah named Yehuda Yehuda. So we say, you know, we, this, who we are are the people that are need to be grateful. Problem is, we, we have shells that are covering and covering that, and sometimes we have to peel those shells away to show that need and to bring out that need. So we have to go on a day to day basis. And really, there's nobody to end off with two, a few thoughts. There's nobody that can say 
that they don't have a reason to think HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We all have reasons upon reasons of endless things that we have to give to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and, you know, we have to thank Hashem for everything, especially the things that we take for granted. And also we have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the challenges. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends us challenges, and we have to stop for a second. Yes, it's difficult, and we're praying that we get out of the challenges. But we have to say, listen, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God, you gave me this challenge. I know it's for the best, so I thank you for it. Granted, I wanted to go away, but I thank you for it. You know, the, the difficult, you, you know, when we go and we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the difficulties, you know, there's the, the, Chazal, the, the saying in Chazal is that, Mishan Mishan If you change your place, you change your mazal. You change your, your, no, your, your uh, what's a, your astra, your, what's a, what, I don't even know what the right translation for mazal is. Your, your luck. You'll change your luck. It, terrible, terrible, by the way, um, in translation. But Mishan Mishan Mazal. What, when you go or change your fortune, maybe yeah, thank you, thank you, Naomi. Yeah, I guess maybe that, that's a better, better, better translation. When you go and when you change who you are, that is changing your level. When you change your level, you're changing your location. If you were, things are not going for you and you change yourself, you become a more grateful person, you change who you are, now you have a different fortune, you have a different luck, you have a different mazal. And you can really say, even in the difficulties, you can say, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that you have not given me this difficulty until now. And I also thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that you could have made it worse, and it's not worse. You can also focus on the other areas of your life. You're focusing on one area that's difficult. There's so many areas that Baruch Hashem, it's better. You're able to smell, you're able to eat, you're able to see, you're able to hear, you're able to walk, you're able to talk, you're able to do so many things. Just focus a little bit just on, just on that. We go out of the bathroom. You say, you wash your hands, you say, Asher Yatsar. Stop just for a little bit, just for just for like one time, one time. Just stop one time after you hear this, and really focus and say thank you, Hashem, that my body works and I'm able to go to the bathroom. You wake up in the morning. You say Berchas Hashachar. Thank you, Hakadosh Baruch. I'm able to stand up straight. I'm able to walk with balance. I'm able to. You know, there's so many things that we have to be grateful for. You finish eating a meal, Berchas Hamazon. You stop for a second. You say, you know what? Wait a minute. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for the delicious food that you have given me. After Shmana, after you say Berkas Hamazon, say your own two words, two sentences of thanking God for the meal that you have given, that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given you. We said in Daven Shmana Esrei, so many things that we could just say thank you for. So many things that we could feel happy, we could feel content in our life. The difference, the goal, the focus is to make it a need. We need to be grateful. And when we make that into a need, we see so many blessings in our life. Forget about in the next world. You're going to see blessings in this world. You're grateful. We've spoken about miracles. We've spoken about stories. We've spoken about so many things that you will see a change in your life. Rabbi Lagasse says a story of a certain rabbi, and he had many talents. Even when he was younger, he was the smartest in his class. He had a passion to grow and learn. He, you know, like every time he achieved something, he went to the next level. He was always on the next thing. And, you know, like he, he was in yeshiva, he was on top of his class. He was in base medrash, he was on top of his class. He, you know, it was time for him to get married, he got married nice and quickly. He, you know, children, Baruch Hashem, the children came and children were great. They were learning, they were top in their class. Everything, you know, like he, he, you know, he was, had a, a, a 
amazing place to live. As his family was was growing, he was able to quickly find another place to rent and a bigger place to live. And everything was like perfect in his life. The problem was, is that he'd never stopped once to appreciate it. He was always on where is the next step. He was never looking back and saying, wow, look at what HaKadosh Baruch was giving me. He was always on, let's go to the next step. And granted, it's important to always look forward. But we always have to look back and realize where we came from and what we have to be grateful for. And later, he, you know, he admitted that HaKadosh Baruch was just giving him one benefit after another benefit after another benefit. And, uh, you know, all, and, and he never saw he never realized it. All of a sudden, there, you know, he had, uh, one of his children had problems in school, like major problems in school. And a few days later, the landlord called him and he says, listen, you got to move. He says, uh, you got to be out of the house within two weeks. And he's like, two weeks, where am I going to live? I have a large family. Well, he says, guys, I don't know. He says, we're selling the boat. You got you to be out in two weeks. A few days after that, the yeshiva, which he works at and he teaches at, says because of financial issues, they're consolidating the classes, they're making the classes bigger, you know, and they're getting rid of some of the teachers. And by the next year, he's going to be out of a job. And all of a sudden, for the first time in his life, this rabbi was, you know, he sat down and he says, you know, like when it rains, it pours. It's like from all angles, everything just came crashing down in a period of a few days. And instead of complaining, he started thinking. And he was like, he's, he realized, he's like, he had so many gifts in his life that he'd never said thank you to Hashem even once. His childhood, his gifts that he had, and the fact when he got married, and his children, it's like, and his play, he says there was so many gifts, and he never stopped once to say thank you. He went into a room, closed the door, and he started crying. And he started thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for everything that he could remember. He spent a long time just thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for everything, crying and thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And afterwards he felt much better. Felt close to God. That same night, not the next night, that same night, the Rebbe from his son's yeshiva called with a positive report, your son is doing much better, everything is, you know, is going on a much better, you know, projection, everything is doing, you know, I, I can really see it working out, that's what the Rebbe says. And then somebody else called with another opportunity for a different home, you know, that's available to rent. And not only that, it was the same rent, and it was bigger, and it was everything like worked out perfectly. A few, and he calls the number, they get the apartment. Just a few days later, there was another yeshiva that reached out to him, and we said, listen, you know, we want to bring you in, we want to take you to, you know, to this, you know, to this position. And he, within a period of a few days, he lost everything, he was in the bottom, and he started thinking, within a period of a few days, some issues a few hours, he got everything right back better than it was before. From that day on, his life has changed forever. He never took anything for granted and neither should we. Constantly thanking HaKadosh Baruch for everything. And today when he looks back at all that difficult time, with the difficulty that he that he had, he realized that that was a blessing in disguise. Sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends us difficulty just so that we should appreciate the good. And if we're able to appreciate the good, the difficulty is not necessary. The power that we have, the ability that we have to be grateful and to be thankful is so powerful in our life that it could change our life for like 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 a hundred thousand times better. The Tzemach Tzedek said a story once about the Baal Shem Tov. 
that one Yom Kippur, he was very, very disturbed. He looked, the Baal Shem Tov looked very, very disturbed, very, very bothered. And all of a sudden, his appearance changed. He looked calmed and, and relaxed. And he was asked, you know, what happened? And he explained, the Baal Shem Tov explained that he saw, you know, you know, prosecuting angels, angels that were going against the Jewish people in heaven. And they wanted to have a lot of bad decrees this following year for the Jewish people. And all of a sudden, there was a woman. There was a woman who recently had a baby at an advanced age, at an older age. And when she went home to nurse this newborn infant, you know, this is, again, on Yom Kippur, she felt such a profound sense of gratitude, Takadish Baruch Hu, that, you know, she stood up and she said, she, she goes to God and says, God, Akadish Baruch Hu Hashem, you did for me such a great kindness. How can I ever repay you that you've given me this, this child? You own the entire universe. What can I give you? Says the only thing I give you, says this woman, is I give you a bracha, I give you a blessing. Said this simple woman. Says you made me so happy with this baby. May you experience joy from your children, the Jewish people, just like I have experienced joy with my with my child. These simple words of gratitude, says the Baal Shem Tov, made such an impression in the heavens that all the prosecuting angels, all the Ketrugim, they all were silenced. There was nothing to say. We don't realize the power when we say, I love you, Hashem. We don't realize the power when we say, thank you, Hashem. We have the ability to change worlds. We have the ability to change so much. We have to tap into it. One final thought I gotta share with you. One, just one final, uh, one final thought. When, when somebody goes and gives a, you know, you, you get something from a very powerful, important, uh, popular person, uh, you know, celebrity, politician, whatever it is, when you get something, you know, like, you cherish it. You, you put it on the side and you put it, you know, you know, I've gone into people, you know, offices where you have, you know, that they have, the pictures of where they met with all the presidents of the United States. And it goes all the way back to like Bill Clinton. And you see them, one president after another, they got that, you know, they're shaking their hand, they're smiling, you know, like, in the white, you know, like, hush of a picture, like that. And they, you know, this is important. There's a, you know, this pen the president gave to me as a president. And, they, you know, like, and they have over there, and this is what they display. And they cherish it. Because this is something that, the, you know, they got from powerful, you know, perspective. When we look at our life, Everything that we have was given to us by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Like everything that we have, if we start cherishing our possessions, again, not to an obsession level, but if we realize, if we, even if we don't have a lot, if we have a little bit, and you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give us a lot. But whatever we have, we say thank you to it. Hashem responds, Mida Kenega Mida, measure for measure. What's a measure? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us a little, and we're thankful for it, even though we want a lot, the Mida Kanegamita, when we provide our service to Akadish Baruch with a little bit, even though Akadish Baruch says, I, I want a lot more from you, you could do a lot more from you, but just like you were so thankful and grateful and happy from what you have received from me, even though it wasn't a lot, I am so grateful, so happy, so thankful for what you have given me, even though it's not a lot. Mm-hmm. Everything goes Mida Kanegamita. We have to really, as we close off this mini series in the series, we have to really, really focus on. The, abil- the, 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 the ankle of changing the want of gratitude to a need of gratitude. And this is something that we have to work on daily. Just because we stop talking, I mean, this is a topic, I mean, I'll give you an exact, just to give you a little bit of understanding. When I wanted to speak about this topic, I wanted to speak about one class. 
and that my original plan was to speak about the gratitude in one class, just to like touch upon it. But once you touch upon something so important, there's so many important things to discuss about that one class led to another. Usually, I have the entire, I, I try to have most of my series prepared in advance so I, I could put it in a systematic fashion and say this, you know, everything I like that it goes in a systematic, it starts over here and everything builds up. In general, the people that are sitting over there and they listen to class here, class here, they won't get it, but somebody who's going through an order, they could really see, if they really focus on it, they could really see the big picture of things. So that was usually my focus. When it came to gratitude, I didn't have the big picture. I just wanted to give one class just to touch upon it. Gratitude and the moon are very connected. But the problem is it's so important that I had to, okay, and I have to speak about this, and I have to speak about that, and I have to speak about this. And it was like one thing led to another. And there's really, it's endless of what we could speak about this. There are the, the stories that we have and the benefits that we have. It's just like, it's really endless. And not only that, even if you heard it, to repeat it again is also so important. To review it again and again and again and again. There is so much that you can gain from it. There is so much that you can grow from it. And the problem is that we don't tap into it. And I really, I'm speaking to myself. I, I, you know, like, you know, I have the rabbis, you know, it's like, you know, like, I'm really speaking to myself. Really, they're speaking to you. You know, like, that's the truth. They know so. But like, in this essence, I know for myself that I've spoken about this. I've spoken about the same, and I listened to it, and I felt different when I listened to it again. Like, it changes me. I know it changes me. Like, it really, it really changed my life. And I beg, implore, you know, please. Try this, try gratitude. It's like a drug, right? You know, like, first one's free. <laughs> you're going to be addicted to it. The second that you started, you're going to be addicted. And if you feel your phone, review, learn, review, read books, whatever it is that it takes, listen to that class a thousand times, anything, anything about, just learn about it. You will change your life. It's such a good, we all want to feel good and we all want to feel happy. There are certain classes that are wake-up calls, that they scare you, and they want to make you do tshuva, and those are great and very, very important. But sometimes people feel, you know what, like, I can't handle that right now. I'm not in that mindset. There is never a time where you should, where you feel like, oh, I can't listen to happy doing, going class. Like, gratitude is a topic that will make you feel better, make you be better in all angles. There is never a reason why you should not always be reviewing it, always be focusing on it, always be growing on it. So my bracha to each and every single one of us, that we should be able to tap into this, this beautiful, beautiful gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us, and that is the gift of HaKara Satov, a gift of gratitude. May we be able to tap into, and not only may we be able to tap into, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu give us the merit to want to learn about this, to want to change about this, and may we actually change it on this, and work on it, and with that, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu give us the endless blessings that come along with this, and with that, we'll open up to any questions. Okay. Uh, Okay, yes. Thank you, Shira, for posting that regarding the, the growth in the dirt. That's what it's called. So you can search on it on YouTube to see, uh, you know, Shira's growth in the dirt. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, and thank you very much for the beautiful, beautiful blessing. Amen for that. Thank you very much. Looks like there's no questions because it's a very simple idea. There's no reason that there should be questions on it technically, but it is something that is, um, that is, is important. Oh, never mind. I spoke too soon. There is a question that's coming in. Uh, okay. First question. Oh, look, actually, only one question. Where does the concept of humor come up in the Torah? Uh, that's a good question. Where does the concept of humor... You know, there is a thing like, you know, that, you know, certain things that happen in our life, we're like, okay, God has a humor. Um, uh, but where does humor... So, so humor is different than happiness. 
right? Humor is a more of a joke. That's a difficult question because it depends on the humor that you have. Um, uh, if you ask, and my particular type of, of humor, uh, the, you know, that's my own, uh, you know, dark web, you know, the way that I present maybe certain things, the way my mind works. Um, but, but, and regarding the Torah, that's a good question. Like, I, I don't know if the question is like, where do we see humorous things in the Torah? I don't know, I'd have to think about that. There's definitely times when you're learning Torah and you like come across something and you're like, oh yeah, you know, that, that's, that's funny. Like when you like just step, take a step back, but it's something I would need to think about. Good question though. What about when Avram laughed when Hashem told him that he would have a son? So that's not laughed as in like, oh, great joke. You know, like uh, that's a, like more of a laugh of a, of a uh, you know, a disbelief of a, referring to Sarah. Um, uh, so, so, but not really as a, uh, you know, as a humor, at least, at least no interpretation that I've, I've seen. Maybe there does exist in that. But I happen to think that humor is very, very important in life. Obviously, clean humor and kosher humor and, you know, thing. But it, it is important to, to uh, what is the saying? The saying that I don't know who made up, but laughter is the best medicine. But it really does. There is, there is, there is tremendous amount of, you know, some people are, I've said this, when you deal with people, some people are so, so serious. And they're like little. They're like young. I'm like, why? You're like, like, you know, like you haven't been there. Like what, what's going on? Like, you know, smile a little bit, enjoy it. But they don't have any happiness in life. And sometimes it's important to, you know, to have humor, to be able to, to crack jokes and to be able to be, again, not to be levity, you know, and have lightheadedness, but to be able to appreciate it. And, and you know, I think it's genetics. You know, my whole family is a, is a you know. Uh, a bunch of jokers, but, but, you know, I don't know. I, this is like me, like, holding back, like, a lot of stuff of the way that I, the way that I speak. Like, I've actually used to do my older classes. I have, I, I used to do accents, and I used to do, like, all these things, and then, like, people came to me, and they were like, we're offended, and this, and that, even though I could have said, like, stop being offended for somebody else, like, but, but at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what, the point of this is not really for humor, it's really for a Torah, for content, so I did hold myself back on that, but, I think humor is very important. Okay, is there a problem of Yechad for my daughter to babysit a family where the mother's not home and the father works downstairs at home? Oh, Yechud. Uh, yes, that could be that 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 could be a problem um, depending on the situation. First of all, the question is why does why do they need a babysitter if if the father is home? Um, if it's a different office, you know, side office, and it doesn't really, you know, count. But but definitely, we could take that offline, and there could be an issue. Um, how do I forgive someone who hurt my feelings? That's a good question and a hard question because it depends on what, when, and where and how. But the if I could give you a sort of a blanket answer, if someone hurts you. To for, the easiest way to forgive them is to realize that it's not them who hurt you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent them as a messenger or whatever, you know, like like to put them in, and it's not them. So the forgiving is realizing that it's from Hashem and not, you know, from them. That's a simple one, but again, there's a lot of different layers to this. Okay, looks like that was the final question. All right, thank you all for joining. Until next time, and I realize now Hanukkah is coming close, and we really have to do a Hanukkah something. But anyways, until until next time, thank you all for joining me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless each and every single one of you with unlimited amount of brachas, atzlochas, and tremendous amount of gratitude. Have an amazing, amazing night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.